Sean Hannity Show. More behind-the-scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. Now, Jamie Dupree with the latest breaking news from our nation's capital. All right, he's the most connected man in Washington, D.C., and of course we have him on the State of the Union Address Day. It's going to be Obama, I'm great, the country's never been better, speech, legacy speech, correct? Democratic lawmakers, they're, they're pleased with what he's been able to achieve. They really would you know, rather not uh, the threat of losing the White House, of course, is in the back of their mind. And a number of Democrats that I've interviewed in recent days, Sean, all say that they would like the president to sort of take this opportunity to rattle off what they think are his achievements during his time in office. Obviously, Republicans, uh, I mean, they already know they're not going to hear a speech that they like that much. They fully expect they'll still get some elbows tonight on, you know, things like guns and global warming and more. But uh, the White House has been talking about how this is going to be a uh, an untraditional State of the Union in that uh, evidently the president is not going to have sort of a laundry list of items that he's going to mention. And they keep talking about how a part of his speech is going to be this sort of broad thematic optimism about the future. Again, uh, they think in the administration that uh, that the Republicans are are the ones who are down on the future of America. And so the president wants to try to sort of make this grand speech that we'll talk about if everybody cooperates, we can get things done. But you'd have to think, Sean, in that there will be issues that he's going to bring up that he think he's going to eye to eye with, that with a he, lot of Republicans. Will he mention that he's doubled the debt by the time he leaves office? Of I would think he'll talk about how he's cut it in half. But, of course, that's when you're talking about yearly numbers. Well, he's also accumulated. Well, <laughs> you are yeah, correct. Well, yes, once he triples the debt he inherited. And then, yeah, then he cuts it in half. He's still higher than any year that George sure. W. Bush ever had. Sure. Again, uh, it'll be a, it'll be a difference in, in how things are, are presented. Look, it'll it'll be a speech that a lot of Republicans will come out and they will say, as they've said on the record to me in recent days, it's the last one I have to listen to from him. Actually, I got one congressman write me and say he's not going. I'll read it. They said, I've been there, yeah. done that. Um, I bet you there's a number of, uh, of lawmakers. Usually what happens in this is a number of people don't even advertise that they don't go. They just stay back at their house and watch it on TV. I'm assuming yes. he won't mention the 94 and a half million Americans out of the labor force. That won't come up, right? Well, he might talk about, I bet, and again, I'm not writing his speech, but I'm just thinking of, of the rejoinder to that. It wouldn't surprise me to hear him talk about how many months in a row that there's been job growth in the but, U.S. But he again, won't mention it, that they don't include the chronically unemployed in those numbers. That won't he'll come He'll probably up. do it a bit differently, yes. And, and I'm assuming that he won't mention that he accumulated as much debt as every other president before him combined. Again, I told you it wouldn't surprise me to hear him say they've cut it uh, more than half when talking about the yearly debt. I'm assuming he won't mention 50 million Americans live in poverty right now, up millions, uh, d- tens of millions since he's been president. That's not going to come up? You know, that's the thing is uh, the beauty of this speech is that uh, the the Democratic lawmakers will come out afterward and say things like he hit a home run and the Republicans will say, well, you know, the president talks all these different things he wants to do and never explains how he wants to pay for it. So in that sense, as we've talked about before, this is one of these boilerplate type of speeches. I'd right. love to see it make real news. Uh, you know, the, uh, yeah, the thought that, happen. that the president would do something that's off note and does something different. But I don't think we're going to see that today. You there will mention be- that the number of people on food stamps is up with some. 13 million since he's been president that won't come up either there will be three of the four senators who are still running for president will be there tonight so you'll have Rand paul marco rubio and bernie sanders uh ted cruz is skipping the speech he'll be up in new hampshire stumping for votes i think that's probably a good call on his part uh speaking of Rand paul uh he got i guess demoted to the lower tier yep. debate along with carly fiorina and he said he will not go 
Yeah, Rand Paul's been saying for weeks that if he was demoted, he would not show up at this debate in uh, North Charleston in South Carolina on Thursday, and that's exactly what he's going to do. I haven't seen what his schedule is for that day exactly. I know he's going to be, I think, in New Hampshire uh, after the debate. But uh, Paul, his argument is that he is a first-tier Republican and that he should be on the main stage. But frankly, his 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 polling numbers just haven't backed that up. They they have not been as high. You know, that's the, the the real problem for Rand Paul is okay. You're not doing well in Iowa. Well, then he should do well in New Hampshire. The problem for him though is that uh, three of the people who did get on the main stage that would be Jeb Bush, uh, John Kasich, and Chris Christie. All of them have floated up a good bit in New Hampshire, and so that's one of the criteria to be chosen for these debates. Now is the state polls as well. And Rand Paul has not seen that bump uh, in either Iowa or New Hampshire. Yeah, look, I think. It's tough for the media outlets, and I'm not saying it because it's Fox Business, but I think they, they, there's got to be a cutoff at some point here. Um, and I know whoever gets cut off is not going to be happy, and it's understandable. Sure. Um, this will leave us with seven people on the main stage for this Thursday night's debate. So this will be the smallest Republican debate yet. So think about it. You'll have Trump, Cruz, Rubio, Carson, and then Bush, Christie, and Kasich. It seems that the real battle that is emerging, from my perspective, is second place, not even in Iowa, but in New Hampshire. Yeah, no, that that will be a big deal. I mean, let's just let's just sort of look at Iowa real quick. The trends still say, you know, you can find polls that show Trump ahead or Cruz ahead. Though I do have to say there, there was more evidence out today, Sean, as we spoke about yesterday, more evidence that the, the Trump attacks on Cruz and his birthplace are definitely having an impact. So Trump and Cruz, 1-2 or 2-1, however you want to look at it. Rubio for right now seems to be doing well in third, though he is getting a lot of attack ads against him in Iowa from outside groups. And then you look at New Hampshire, Trump in the lead, and then the whole issue of sort of Rubio, Christie, Kasich, Bush, and even Ted Cruz thrown in there a little. You know, who's going to come out in second there? If it's Rubio, it's a big push for him. If it's Christie, uh, that's big for him, too. But now that the polls have, <coughs> excuse me, shifted in Iowa, and, and if Trump wins Iowa and New Hampshire... Um, I think the nomination fight is pretty much over. I mean, it'll take us a while. I, I I just fully believe that, that if you win those first two, the momentum that you pile up from that, I mean, it'll still go on for a while. But I would think it'd be very, very difficult to stop Donald Trump at that point in time. Well, I think the polls in Iowa now have shifted a little bit back in Trump's favor. I guess the question is going to be organization on the ground because a caucus is, is very different from a primary. Many hours are needed there. These candidates give long speeches and not only do you, I mean, literally, you you need a supporter to stay there for hours. Yeah, it's several hours uh, to be there. It's not just show up, vote five minutes later, you're done and in the car and down the street to the store or something like that. That's why the winner yeah. may win with just 32,000 votes. Uh, yeah, the, and, and the turnout is not huge either. You're absolutely right. So yeah, look, uh, this, this is a test for everybody, not just Donald Trump. It's a test for everyone. Ted Cruz has been organizing. Everybody else has been doing their best to organize. And I know it sounds like a ridiculous thing, but really it's true. How much work have you done out there to motivate, not only motivate your people, but to ensure they get to the polls? That's that, that ground game that you hear so much about and that some candidates are simply better at than others. Let's talk about the Democratic side. Now Bernie Sanders up by four in New Hampshire, down by three in Iowa. There's been a dramatic shift in, in terms of Sanders' ability to turn this around, some comments by Joe Biden, the vice president, seem to be supportive of Sanders, although now he's denying it. But, well, Hillary's a little late to that game, talking about income inequality. I don't think that particularly helped Hillary. And you're hearing more and more discussion about the possibility that Hillary could be indicted. 
Yeah, look, there's some poll data out there that shows Sanders leading now in Iowa, definitely gaining in Iowa, and even one poll showing him ahead. He's uh, been leading in New Hampshire in many polls, and in some by double digits. Uh, MoveOn.org endorsed Sanders today, so that's a pretty prominent liberal group that comes out in favor of him and against Hillary Clinton. Uh, You've got, obviously, uh, as you mentioned, you know, you talk about the worries about Clinton. What's interesting is you look at the favorability ratings for Sanders and Clinton among Democrats in Iowa, Clinton has a 74% approval rating. Sanders has 87. So you can see he does have a little more, but still Clinton's is not terrible or anything like that. Uh, There was a question in one poll, it was a Quinnipiac poll, would you say that Bernie Sanders cares about uh, your needs as a voter? 97% said yes, whereas it was 76% for Hillary Clinton. It may be that Bernie Sanders You know, we're about to see maybe one of those late surges, and you can tell from Hillary Clinton that she has started to turn up the heat directly on Sanders. And something I also have to observe in listening to her, I I think that she doesn't sound as good as a candidate when she's on the attack against Sanders as when she's just talking about her own general I mean, she was in New Hampshire begging begging people to vote for her because she thinks she would do better in a general election. So, I mean, that's interesting. Look, some of these numbers are red alert stuff, yes. If if Hillary got indicted... you and I have talked about filing yeah, deadlines. If, if, if. Again, I just say you can't. It, it, look, if she gets indicted, that's an unbelievable, out of left field, out totally I don't killer so. story. It would be. A, I, it, I think it has the capacity to oh, go there now. But there's again, been, there's it's Catherine like Christmas. Don't count on it. I'm definitely not counting on it. This is the Clintons, Jamie. Yeah, uh, they've, that, that's uh, that's exactly my point. Okay, but let's say it happens. Let's talk about the Democratic strategy going forward. What about filing deadlines for different candidates and states? What does that mean for them? Again, filing deadlines, as we talked about, uh, some of those come up very, very quickly. And so it's, you know, every day that goes by makes it more and more difficult for you to get in the race for president simply because the deadlines are already going by. Some of them have already happened in terms of uh, getting on the ballot in certain states. Those those deadlines are already gone. Uh, you can't get on the ballot in Florida, I don't think. It's it's already, you know, it's already set. The, the the absentee ballots are going out in Georgia today. So, you know, you've got a series of states where it's already, it, you're already going and going and going. So the later it stands, I would say um, uh, every day that goes by, the, the more in favor of Bernie Sanders it would certainly be if something like that happened. But so, again, I just don't think you can count on that. So the president is bringing, what, the Syrian refugee in. Um, I've got to believe that Republicans are going to talk about not only the Paris attacks, but these attacks, sexual attacks on New Year's Eve that took place seemingly orchestrated all across Europe. Well, I would think that uh, what you'll get out of this is the Republicans, of, of course, will listen to the president and he will not focus as much as they would like or not the way that they would like on either the threat of the Islamic State or a solution for it or what should be done about it. Clearly, the Syrian refugee presence and I and there's some other lawmakers are also bringing a Syrian refugee as well as their guests that gets under the skin of some Republicans. You know, one interesting real quick one story that's uh, coming up today is a whole bunch of Democrats holding another news conference today and sending a letter to the president totally aggravated about all these immigration raids that are going on now to send these people back, these families back who had made it over the border illegally and who had stayed in the United States. There's a real um, a real big schism occurring within the Democratic Party between lawmakers here in the Congress and down at the White House over this effort by the Obama administration. Yeah, a lot going on. We'll see what happens now. Nikki Haley has gotten the honor of giving the the rebuttal tonight, although she's not calling it that. 
uh, big moment for her. Sure it is. And uh, what's the one thing we've seen in some of the people who've given the response in recent years? It hasn't always worked out too well. Yeah, don't drink uh, so, water while you're giving. <laughs> yes, there is exactly that. So uh, I guess the best the best idea for a speech like that is to make your speech. Don't uh, do anything off the wall and just hope it goes cleanly and it gets done. Uh, it's still a boost for somebody, obviously, like Nikki Haley. You know, I was looking bad, back at past presidential campaigns. Um, Ronald Reagan was way behind six months out of the election and it wasn't until three weeks before the election that he took off uh after the final debate against jimmy carter the only and, debate i think i remember yeah, it was the it was. only debate and and he took off and then won what 44 states well, that's why, uh, you know, you look at four years ago when Iowa was decided in those last days when uh, Rick Santorum had been well behind in the polls and then came up at the end. You know, another thing I'll remind everybody about was 2008 when nobody, the polls all said that Barack Obama was going to beat Hillary Clinton easily in New Hampshire. And then it didn't happen. So I, I guess, uh, you know, as much as we look at the polls and we look at the trends and everything, we've certain, certainly seen a number of times where things change at the last minute. There was a poll out yesterday that said 46 percent of Republicans in Iowa could still change their mind about well, who they're going to vote for in this race. But the people less likely to change are Trump supporters. That's You're the absolutely other right. That was my next point. The yeah. ones the ones who are more in their corner and locked in are the people who, who say they'll see, vote for Donald Trump. Did you see former New York City Mayor Bloomberg ran a poll to see how he would do uh, running in a race? Did you see that? Getting into this race. Yeah, and I think if Bloomberg were, let, let's just say Trump wins the GOP nomination, I think if Bloomberg were, were to get in, that would be an interesting kind of thing because, you know, the one thing about Trump is that he draws across all areas. I mean, liberals, moderates, and conservatives in the Republican Party are drawn to Trump. And there's really no other candidate that can do that that effectively. I'm not sure where uh, Bloomberg would fit in, but certainly uh, he would have to take some away from the Democrats and some from I the think Republicans more from, as look, well. Look, he is a Democrat, so... It seems like it to me. Yeah. All right, Jamie Dupree, the most connected man in uh, Washington. As always, we appreciate you being See with you, us. See Sean. Hey, where are you going to be tonight for this thing? Uh, tonight I will be in uh, Statuary Hall, which is the old house chamber just outside. It's where what we like to call the legislative mosh pit, where all the lawmakers will run as soon as the uh, speech is over to go be interviewed. Some people will come out, in fact, 20 minutes or so before the speech is even ended to give their uh, side of the speech. It's all about then, them, Jamie. Uh, yeah, well, listen, it's like leaving in the seventh inning. You want to get out before the traffic, right? All right, Jamie Dupree in Washington.